Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. The best advice that I can give to another CPA, another accounting firm, which is what I lived and what I did, was I niched down. I think that that's one of the most valuable things you can do is get very, very clear on who you serve and then get out there in front of them. Welcome to Epic Business Growth for CPAs. My name is Geraldine Carter, founder of She Thinks Big Coaching. This is the place to be if you're a CPA who wants to grow your accounting practice. Weekly episodes are full of strategies and action steps that create a clear path for growth without working harder. Time to get inspired and grow your business. My guest today is Michelle Cooper, owner of Alchemy Accounting. Alchemy Accounting works with coaches and consultants around the world who are seeking clarity in their numbers and profitability in their business. Michelle is out to design a non-traditional accounting practice, and today we talk about what that might look like as technology enables more of us to be nomads at work. We also talk about the opportunity that presents for accountants who do taxes across international borders. We talk about how niching down has saved her time and made her life easier. And finally, we talk about how discovering what's called the queen bee role in her business made operations clear for everyone on her staff. Here's Michelle Cooper. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the Epic Business Growth for CPAs podcast. Hi, Geraldine. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And this is what, your second or third appearance? I think it's my second. It's always fun to talk to you. So let's, for our listeners, just pinpoint in time where you are geographically, because I know you're in Canada somewhere, and a tiny bit about where you are in your business right now. Yeah, so I am located in Chilliwack, British Columbia, which is about an hour east of Vancouver. Uh, So west coast of Canada and uh, about two hours from Seattle. Okay. This would helps a lot of Americans understand where I am. In the rainforest. In the rainforest. Ooh. So lots of big cedar trees and spruce trees. Yes. Lots of big trees, lots of forest. I happen to live in a valley, so there's a lot of farmland where I live, uh, but surrounded by mountains and trees. Oh, wow. That sounds beautiful. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about Alchemy Accounting. I created my business about six years ago now, uh, kind of by accident. Uh, I was helping some uh, local business owner friends uh, with their profitability, really. Right. Like they were at the place of like either things have to change or I got to close this. And uh, I was uh, taking some time off from my career uh, due to burnout 
and uh, stepped in to support them. And then suddenly I had a bookkeeping and accounting practice Um, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, built that up over uh, the past six years. I got very clear on what I wanted to do and um, that didn't include bookkeeping or accounting really. It included business coaching and advising work Uh and so built a team. So now I have a team that works with entrepreneurs across North America and a team of really awesome bookkeepers and CPAs. And some of them are studying uh, to become their own uh, business uh, coaching, advising um, designations so that they can step in and help clients in a more full service role. And we're excited to be really building a business differently from other accounting firms. Mm, interesting. Okay, so before we go there, and I do want to um, make sure we get to that. So how many people are on your team? Um, I have 13 right now. 13. Wow. Okay. Before we get into, I love what you said about sort of stumbling into your business by accident, because it's such a common story. Um, what was your very first experience as an entrepreneur? Oh, my goodness. We go way, way back to a little girl, Michelle. Um, I used to roller skate around my neighborhood selling chocolate bars that I would buy (laughs) from the store down the road that um, would give me a deal. He was like this, this little Asian dude. And I used to bring my pop bottles there all the time. And I was like, if I buy 20 chocolate bars, will you give me a deal? So he'd like knock a buck off or something, right? I don't know. And then I, I used to, I lived in my roller skates and I would just roller skate around the neighborhood with my little bag of chocolate and I'd sell it to all the kids, like a kind of like the ice cream man, but chocolate bars. Oh my gosh, this is hilarious. <laughs> right? Oh my God. And did you have a get up like in addition to your roller skates? <laughs> um, no, I just, you know, everybody, you know, it's like a, a little neighborhood kind of in a, a suburb of Vancouver. And, and so, you know, all the kids would know, oh, there's Michelle. She's got her bag. I had this little bag that I used to wear and had it filled with chocolate bars and stuff. And um, they come running out with like back then a chocolate bar was a quarter yeah. store. So I used to charge 40 cents. Nice. Right. And, and I was getting them for probably like maybe 20 cents. I don't know. So um, <laughs> making a good profit on the chocolate bar. So true story. That was among my first entrepreneurial experiences as well. Yeah. Yeah. I used to get chocolate bars by the box and sell them at school. And eventually I got in trouble because the kids were using their lunch money to buy chocolate bars from me. My parents got a phone call and they were like, you need to tell Geraldine and knock it off. Oh my God. That's hilarious. So my, my, uh, my dad was a commercial fisherman. So, um, he, he thought this was pretty good, right? Like his daughter was out there. Uh, he sold fish. I sold chocolate bars. So (laughs) he was rather encouraging of it. He loved the idea. I remember he used to say like, uh, you get exercise and you're making money. It's all a good thing. (laughs) That is all a good thing. I like that. Yeah. So let's come back then to the accounting practice that you're designing that you say is different in um, different and non-traditional. And I'm really curious to know more about that. Yeah. So um, what I found is that there's a whole group of entrepreneurs out there who uh, feel intimidated by accountants. 
for whatever reason, right? They might've had a bad experience or they have some kind of limiting belief or story that they're carrying forward. And so what happens is they end up avoiding anything to do with bookkeeping or accountants or, um, you know, staying in compliance with the IRS or CRA or whatever it is, right? They just avoid it. Well, eventually that catches up with you, right? And eventually you have to deal with that. And then they're all in distress about it, Mm -hmm. right? And so what I could clearly see was that I could really help those people because I've never really fit in as a traditional accountant, right? Like I went to university because and and kind of put on the accounting track because I was good with numbers. And so my guidance counselor was like, oh, well, you should be an accountant, right? That was back in the like late 80s and people didn't really, you know, think about other things. It was like very traditional business, right? And all my dad knew was that he didn't want me to be a commercial fisherman because the industry was kind of dying, right? And... So there I was um, in university and I was really good with numbers. Well, really, I've never identified as an accountant. When I had to go and do my my practicum and stuff, I, I just could not wait to get out of there. I hated every minute of it. And so I never worked in an accounting office, you know, as a real kind of job, right? I always worked in finance and I always worked in business development. So I worked with amazing entrepreneurs. I worked with amazing people creating businesses around the world. I found myself traveling, which I love, right? And and living in all these different places and helping people build business through uh, my role became like financial analysis. And that was great. So what I found when I started to um, help people, you know, after I realized I was kind of burning out from, from a job that I was in when I moved back to Canada, uh, I found that, again, there was this group of people and they were in avoidance, but they related to me because I wasn't speaking some kind of weird language that they didn't understand. And I was able to talk to them in real, uh, like real words, real life terms. And it was like a light went on for them. And they were like, oh, Okay, I get it. So it became less scary for them. So we could bring them up to date. They could become, now they're compliant with the IRS or CRA or whatever it happened to be. And they started to understand that their numbers weren't a mystery. And that to me was really rewarding. At the same time, what I also realized is there's a whole group of people doing business online and that my business could be done anywhere. I can help anyone anywhere. doesn't matter if they're in Australia, in Europe, in the States. If they're doing business online, I could support them. Wait, just for clarity, when you say doing business online, are you saying that they have a business that is online or um, can you just tease that apart for us? Because that could mean a few different things. Yeah. So I have uh, clients who have like e-commerce based businesses. Okay. Right. So maybe they have an Amazon store or they have a you know, I don't know, like an Etsy store or they have some kind of product they're selling online. I also have clients who are coaches and consultants and they have clients around the world that they're doing business with. 
right? And then I also have clients who are um, speakers and authors, and they've they're creating some kind of movement. So that's what I term as kind of mission-based entrepreneurs. Uh, they're creating change in the world. The impact in the world is the most important thing to them. And so that is very virtual for them, right? And and there's there's important little things to remember um, that that can really get people into problems and confusion, right? So an example of that in Canada would be like, if I'm a Canadian and I'm selling to an American, do I need to charge them goods and services tax? Right. Right. And so they think they do, or sometimes they don't think they do, and they get all confused and they don't know what to do. Right. Do I need to charge them provincial sales? Like, these kind of situations. If I'm, do I report my income in Canadian dollars or U.S. dollars? How do I price my product? If I'm a, if I'm a Canadian, how do I price my product online? The online world basically works in U.S. dollars, mm-hmm. so you need to probably price your your items in U.S. dollars. If you're, if you're say. Um, somebody in Europe or Canada or Australia and you are purchasing items from the United States and then you're selling it in your own currency, you need to understand that there's a risk exposure there for currency fluctuation. Right. And so they don't understand that part of it. Right. So just explaining that to them, um, it can really help. And then there's this whole wave, especially of Americans who are um, living abroad outside of America. Yeah. Mexico primarily. Uh-huh. You know, they got a business, it's registered in the United States. They need to stay in compliance with IRS and their residency requirements, but they are living somewhere else. So we're able to support them as well. Okay. So all of this came out of people who have an online business in one way or another or exist online, you found that you could help them. So here you were finding that you were able to help business owners, right? You found that there was a real need. And you didn't necessarily love the accounting bit, but you found that you were really able to help business owners. So tie that part into how you grew your firm. The best advice that I can give to another CPA, another accounting firm, which is what I lived and what I did, was I niched down. I think that that's one of the most valuable things you can do is get very, very clear on who you serve and then get out there in front of them. Yeah. To me, the, the biggest mistake you can make is being like, I'll take anybody. All comers. Doesn't even matter what you do, who, what you are, who you serve, how much money you make. Like find a way to niche down to the ideal client for you, whatever that, what is the thing that excites you? Do you love working with contractors? Mm-hmm. If you love working with contractors, because you have an industry in the, or an interest in the building industry, or your dad was a carpenter or, you know, something like that, then Be bold and be courageous and say, we are the accounting firm or the bookkeeping firm, or I am the CPA for building contractors. Mm -hmm. When you do that, and when you get so clear on your messaging about who you serve, how you serve them, why you serve them, you you can clearly identify their their fears and their frustrations and their challenges. They will hear you so loud and clear. They'll be saying, "Oh my God, is this chick in my head?" Like she is saying all the things I'm thinking, 
right? And it's not like a form of manipulation or like some kind of weird, you know, neural linguistic programming or anything like that. It's, it's nothing like that. It's being clear and, and for you to clearly understand why you work with these people. People want to know that you have a connection to them. They want to know for whatever reason it is, like I love travel. I have always traveled. I will always travel. And so I love supporting people who are doing business from anywhere. Right, right. Right, like we can have a call when I'm in Guatemala and they're in Bali kind of thing. And they appreciate that. And they know that um, when I'm in Guatemala, uh, I haven't checked out of my business. Right. You're still there for them. Yeah. I did find that at the very beginning for me, because travel is an important part of my life. I did find sometimes in the beginning of my business when people would hear, oh, Michelle's out of town. They would think I was on holiday. And it was like, no, this is just part of my lifestyle. Yeah. I can connect with my clients from anywhere. Totally. Yeah. So let's go back to the niching part because I do think that's super valuable for a lot of people and it can be scary to niche down because it seems like you're eliminating lots of possibilities and opportunities. So how did you know who to niche down to? I thought about who I'm, who I get most excited to work with. Where does that energy come up for me? Right. Who do I feel most inspired to work with? I just said, you know what? Those are the people I'm going to speak to. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have other clients. I have a, I have like about 10 contractors, mm-hmm. right? They have a, you know, a couple brick and mortars kind of thing. Um, I have those people. For some reason or another, they resonate with, with me and my message and with my team. And, and so we do work with other people, right? So it's, it's being clear. And being courageous and not having that scarcity mentality that there's only so much business because there's so much business out there. There is. There's so many people who need your help. And if you can help them be better with their numbers and achieve financial literacy and help them improve their cash flow and help them streamline and simplify their own businesses and stop running in a thousand directions. There's no shortage. And so really understanding that by speaking to this one person, like just think about that one person and get very clear on what their fears and frustrations and challenges are. And, and really be courageous in saying, these are the people I'm going to work for. Like make a declaration that that's what you're doing. And what happens is you start to enroll your brain in that process, right? So your reticular activating system opens up. All of a sudden, there's all these opportunities that a lot of people might call synchronicity, right? It's actually your brain going, hey, what about this? (laughs) It's sort of like when you go to buy a new car and you're like, I think I want the red Subaru. And you had never noticed them before. But then all of a sudden driving around town, all you see is all the red Subarus. Right? And you're like, what? when did all these get bought and put on the road? <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. It's and what you, you tell your brain what to focus on and it goes and it finds it. It does. It's a goal achieving machine, right? Like I always tell people like your brain is like a Google search engine. Whatever request you put in there, it will show you, it will show that to you. 
So if you ask really crappy questions like, oh my God, why am I such an idiot? Oh, it'll give you all the reasons why you're an idiot, <laughs> right? So be careful what you ask for. Um, and, and ask it powerful questions, like ask about who do I want to work for? Who do I feel most inspired to work for? You'll get the information back to you. Mm-hmm. What are 10 ways that I can make $100,000 more this year than last year? Right? Yeah. Ask it interesting questions. Totally. And just be open and curious, mm-hmm. right? I always say to people, be open and curious, unattached to the outcome. Yes. Yes, and I love that. Just see what happens, outcome. right? Mm-hmm. Just like play it like a game. Like, I wonder what would happen if I did that recently. I was like, oh, I really want to go to India next year. Well, I wonder how I could get the money because I want to fly first class, right? Like, that's my, I'm like, I want to be in one of those flights where you get to lie down on the bed, right? Mm. <laughs> and have them bring you champagne before right? sleep. I'm like, I just want that experience, <laughs> right? And, um, and I was like, I wonder how I would do that. I wonder what I could do. Huh, that's really interesting. And then I thought about, you know, oh, well, I, I've always wanted to work with, you know, women who are creating a business from the ground up who have a really crappy money mindset, and I'm going to help them shift that. Well, suddenly four of them showed up and actually said like, hey, I've been wanting to work with you for a while. The timing's right now. Can we have a conversation? Yeah, I love that. It's how the universe works. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Right? I love it. I love it. Yeah, but... You know, taking it back to niching, it takes being clear and it takes um, being brave. Mm -hmm. And what have been the benefits to you when you had the clarity to niche down? Well, the benefits were that I didn't, I was no longer worried about um, who to, like what my message would be, what my, what my marketing would be. I was no longer worried about, oh my God, I got to go and do all these things. I got to show up at every networking event. I got to go to BNI. I got to go do this and that. And, um, it took away so much pressure. Yeah. Right. Cause I actually, like, we all only have so much time during the day. And so I don't need to go um, when I first started building my business, because it was built off of, you know, some local businesses that I was helping out that were friends, I had a friend introduce me to BNI, and so I went and I was a member of BNI for three years um, at the very beginning, and it provided me with um, amazing, great first clients that created the foundation of a, a predictable revenue model which was awesome. And I'm so grateful for that. But then I got clear on actually who I want to work with instead of being the all comers and the, you know, everybody, it was like, no, these are the people. And I like, I was able to let go of BNI. So all of a sudden I freed up like three hours a week. Yeah. Yep. Right. Where, that I can put into something that's targeted towards the client that I do want to work with. Yeah. So, so that's good. Three hours a week is seven and a half percent of your time. Right. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, like and you to... can you can do a lot with three new hours a week. Oh, completely. Yeah, totally. So just so our listeners are clear, you mentioned that you had, you know, 10 contractors and it sounds like those were outside of your your niche. Who is inside your niche? Um, the majority of our clients are coaches and consultants. Great. Oh, that's a great niche that is has plenty of depth and plenty of need. Yeah. 
Yeah. And really it's coaches who, uh, coaches and consultants who are dealing with, um, like they're operating in the um, metaphysical world. They're operating in the um, maybe spiritually based or heart centered approach to business development or life coaching. Um, They're developing, um, they're usually moving from a one-on-one model into a group model or digital program model or membership model, something like that. Okay. So I could see how that would span international borders. Absolutely. All over the place among other challenges. Yeah, because there's all kinds of legislation, right? Like we do live in a global marketplace. Absolutely. But then there's, you know, where are you living? Right, 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 right. And I'm also thinking about, you know, that is a group that probably on average, is not necessarily well-versed in all things financial literacy? They're not usually versed in that at all. Yep. There's a, I could see that there's a deep need there. Yeah. And, And one of the biggest things is those people, they need to stay in compliance with their government's taxation system. So we live in a world right now where you have to file income taxes. And it's an important part because, you know, I have a client um, who came to us recently because she was leaving the United States and um, they wouldn't let her leave. They seized her passport because she didn't file taxes for three years. That doesn't fly. Right. And so they were like, no, you're not going anywhere till you file your taxes. Thank you very much. We'll have your passport. So she goes into a panic, right? And is, you know, is talking to, you know, friends and people and, and was given my name as a referral. And, you know, luckily we were able to pull her records together pretty quickly. Um, Still took a couple of months to get everything organized, prepared, documented and taxes filed. Wow. You know, she was heading off um, to... Uh, a retreat that she had organized. Oh no. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. Oh, that hurts. So it's a real, um, it's real, right? It's real life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you got it. You got to deal with it. And so we were able to deal with it, but it's, was very upsetting for her, obviously. I bet it was. Yeah. Yeah. I bet it was. And that's, that's hard on one's business as well. Yeah. And, you know, governments are looking at these things more and more because it is a global marketplace and, and people are living all over the place, Mm -hmm. right? More and more entrepreneurs are choosing to live part of the year somewhere else, Mm -hmm. especially that, that younger audience. The younger audience. Yeah. Right? Like they are nomads. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> um, so many of them, right? And, you know, I think before, like in, when I was in my 20s, I traveled, but it was like I traveled and worked at like, I don't know, like a pub or something like that. Right. Like it was or a, like willing workers on organic farms picking blueberries in New Zealand. Totally. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Like, um, but, uh, you know, they travel and they have a, a business. Yeah. Oh, right? this is probably for listeners out there who are looking for a niche. It's a good niche. An idea. Millennials who are doing tech stuff, making a good bit of money and spending their winters in Chamonix. Totally. <laughs> totally. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's got to be, and you don't need that many of those. You don't. To have a viable practice. And then you yourself can become a new ad as well. Yeah. Because like, I've got a couple of clients who like Canadians who've, who are going and they're living part of the year in Austin because that's like an entrepreneurial hub, right? 
there's some residency requirements they have to think about it. And I'm not a lawyer, so, you know, they have to get their own legal advice on that kind of stuff. But you have to make sure you, you file your Canadian taxes. Mm, I love this. There's so, a good, there's, there's opportunity there for sure. So what's one other thing that you learned in your six years of practice that was either a painful lesson or something you oh, sure wish you had learned that sooner? Hire slow, fire fast, and really trust your gut um, with your team members. Um, I've had some team member disasters, and it has had a real effect on my business. Um, And I've come to uh, just really know that if I have a hesitation about something, someone, for whatever reason, it could be attitude, it could be work habits, whatever it is, I need to pay attention to that. And, you know, for example, um, I had a team member a couple of years ago that in April, I knew I should have let her go. And I kept her on and tried to work it out and try to do this and provide that support and this course and that coaching and all this stuff. And I just had to fire her. And it took me from April until August. I let her go. So four months. Yeah. And I should have let her go in April because between April and August, it just wreaked havoc. Wreaked havoc with my team, with my office environment, with um, with clients. Like it was a disaster, right? And then I had a team member that I realized that I was keeping on because I felt bad because she was in financial distress. And so I was like, I knew she wasn't a good fit, but I couldn't let her go because I felt like I would be contributing to her financial situation. Yeah. And I kept her on for eight months more than I should have. Finally, it just got to be, it was like, nope. Yeah. And I remember that we were going to talk in August Yeah. and we had to bump our call because you were like, I can't right now. Totally. It's in the fan. Totally. And, and so that like building a team, you know, it's obviously really important. If you're CPA out on your own, you're going to need to build a team and you need people who are buying into your culture that you're developing, right? They, they want to be there. You are an inspire, inspiring leader to them. They enjoy the work. They enjoy working with you, right? And as you can remove yourself, you can kind of back out of client work or some client work. Like I don't do any accounting or bookkeeping anymore, right? So back out of that, maybe you're doing something else like the the coaching or consulting or something, financial analysis, the higher level things. Um, They, your, your role becomes more about coaching them and leading them than it does to be about, uh, you know, the actual getting a bank rec done or something like that. So I put in an operations manager that's key. It oversees everybody, makes sure that client work gets done. And I really, um, I read a book by Mike Michalowicz uh, uh, called Run Like Clockwork. And he talks about the queen bee role, right? And I realized by working with my team that our our QBR is to provide financial security to our clients. So everything revolves around about that. And let's just say a little bit about let's just say a little bit about the Queen Bee role for people who haven't read his book. And it's a great book. I'll link to it in the show notes. Clockwork. Um, so the Queen Bee role. Why don't I, 
I'll take a crack at it, but it's basically the role that is the most important role of the entire company that needs to be protected. Yeah, it is. It's the most important thing within the role, within the company that has to be protected at all, at all costs. So it's never about a person. Mm -hmm. It's never a person's job to do that. Mm -hmm. And so under, I got my, you know, he recommends in the book to bring your whole team into the process of understanding what it is. And we could see by working as a team that actually the most important thing we can do is provide financial security to clients. That feeling of financial security, right? So it's like, oh, they got it. We don't have to worry about that. And so all along the way, if we're having challenges, we can ask ourselves, does this person say, um, fulfill the, like, is it, are they in alignment with the QBR? right? The queen bee rule. Because if, if they're not, then they need to go. Is this process in alignment with the QBR? If it's not, then we don't need to do it. And we were able to see that some things we were doing were actually um, misaligned and was like, why are we doing this? We don't need to do that anymore. Like that, I don't know, maybe it served us in the past. Maybe we made it up for some other reason. I don't know, but it doesn't serve us now. It doesn't serve the QBR. And that to me was a game changer, understanding that everything has to serve the, that role, that important task. And, and so it makes... Um, you know, sometimes human resources and personnel issues, they feel yucky, right? Um, but it makes those decisions so much easier because it's like, it's, it doesn't meet the QBR, right? Like if I can't trust that you're doing your work without like me micromanaging you, mm -hmm. then you're not meeting the QBR. Right. What I hear in all that is simplicity and clarity, not just for you, but for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. This is what our firm, this is what we are here to do. Yeah. Is yeah. financial security for our clients. And if what I'm doing doesn't fall in alignment with that, then that's not the right thing for me to be doing. Right. And it even, you know, think about like, um, like software. Does this, does this provide financial security? Mm -hmm. Do we need to pay $200 for this app? Actually, we do. Because this ensures that our clients' financial records are locked down. Yeah. So we can ask ourselves, like... I, I make every decision from that now. It's, it was kind of a game changer. I love that. I love when people have moments where they go through some kind of either process or they adapt or they adopt this new tool or they read a new book or it's new, like a new concept that comes in at the right time. And you just go, oh, this is what we need to be doing right now. And it just takes everything and it just shifts it. Yeah, because... As a business owner, right, like you're the client facing, you got the client stuff, you're doing enrollment calls, you're managing a team, whatever, right? Like there's all these things you have to do as a business owner. And this makes it so clear. If it doesn't, if it's not in alignment with that, then we don't do it. And it also gives my whole team a place to ask questions from. Right. Is it in alignment with the QBR? Yes, then I'm going to do it. So if that means I do extra or I do, I, you know, I go above and beyond, that's what you should do. And I imagine that also makes your life easier too, in terms of, in terms of enabling your own staff to answer their own questions. Yeah. Cause that's another thing, right. As a business owner, 
It's like a gazillion questions every day about everything. Right. And, and you don't, you have to make fewer decisions because now they know how to make decisions for themselves. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing I learned is um, like along that line is that, and I think this is true for a lot of CPAs, we can be quite controlling in how we want things done. Right. And, and there's reason for that. Um, but also I had, I was not giving my team permission to make their own decisions. Oh, so having the QBR, they now have a place to make that decision from. And I've had to actually verbally say, you have my permission to make a decision. Yeah. If it meets the QBR, then you should be making that decision on your own, letting the team know, letting us know, the ops manager know, like you don't go rogue kind of thing. Maybe talk about it with a couple of people. Do you think I should do this? It was important for me to to understand that because I, I found myself saying, can't they just make decisions? Like, why do they have to come to me with everything? Because you've trained them to. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Right. Because I'm so controlling and how I want everything done the specific way. Right. And, uh, and so, yeah, I totally trained them. And you had to untrain them. (laughs) I had to untrain them. I love that. So in our last few minutes here, you mentioned that you were, that you have stepped up and out of the accounting. Where do you see yourself taking Alchemy Accounting in the next few years? Well, um, I would love, absolutely love for my business to grow and my team to rise into um, more coaching and consulting roles. And I'm really encouraging them to uh, get some education on stuff like that. So I've got a couple of team members who are becoming profit first professionals right now. Uh, I have a couple of bookkeepers who are um, doing some further education to get their CPA. Uh, and, And then bringing more people underneath because a lot of my team is virtual, like I have a brick and mortar office and I have some people in my office, but um, a lot of my team are virtual and they're across North America. And I think it's amazing. We have a mandate to really consider parents um, with some kind of out of the box living um, situation. So they might have a special needs child that need, they need some flexibility and they're working environment um, or maybe they're choosing to homeschool their children and so they want something you know a job that they can work uh, 10 hours a week in the evenings right that is flexible because they their their lifestyle is important to them so that is really close to my heart that for whatever reason it is it might be special needs it might be something else I don't know but we can provide uh, career opportunities, work opportunities that are flexible to parents. Cause I think parents need it. I love that. Yeah. That's a beautiful note to end on. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the Epic Business Coach for CPAs podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Geraldine. I love what you're doing in the world. I love that you're helping CPAs. Uh, I just think it's awesome. There is so much in Michelle's story that I appreciated and that I think listeners might appreciate too. Some nuggets that stick with me are, as always, how helpful it is to focus on a profession, industry, or niche. Everything gets easier and more of the right clients find their way to you. 
If you want to know more about why niching is a good idea, you can go back and listen to episode 55 on narrowing your niche. Also, I just did a webinar on how to niche because it's not that easy necessarily. And if you want to watch the replay, you can find the link to that webinar in the show notes for this episode. Remember that if you say you serve a broad range of clients, or you say you work with small business owners, families, and individuals, then you're talking to no one and your signal is getting lost in the noise. Another takeaway is how uncovering the queen bee role in her firm simplified not just her decision-making, but made it easier for her staff to make decisions without having to run every last thing by Michelle. And the last one is that opportunities are everywhere. There is absolutely more than enough work for every last accountant who wants to be profitable while helping their clients with financial literacy and being more profitable and reducing tax exposure. And I love that she mentioned the reticular activating system. If you don't know what that is, I'll put a link to an explanation in the show notes. But in short, your reticular activating system takes what you focus on and creates a filter for it. So what you choose to focus on is what you end up creating. If you don't think something is possible, your reticular activating system will filter out evidence that shows that it's possible. It will filter in evidence to confirm that it's not possible. If you do think something is possible, your reticular activating system will filter out evidence that it's not possible. It'll ignore it and it will allow evidence that it is possible to pass through its filter. So what you choose to focus on is what you create. So if you doubt that opportunities are everywhere, you're not going to see the opportunities that exist. But if you choose to be open and focus on the opportunities that are everywhere, they will pass through your reticular activating system and you will find them. So there you are, my friends. To find out about Michelle and her work, you can visit alchemyaccounting.ca because she's in Canada and you can find links to her on social media in the show notes. Remember that I'm here to help you grow your accounting practice. And if you want to know more, check out my website, shethinksbigcoaching.com. On my website, you can find out more about free upcoming workshops and webinars, as well as other ways to work together one-on-one if you want more support. That's it for me, everyone. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.